Won't you pray with me? God, on this Christmas Eve day and evening, we remember your story and its meaning for the world. And we are here to celebrate that. And to remember and apply its messages in our lives. We we ask that you be with us tonight as we ponder your word. It's meaning for us in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, I hope you are here to see Believe Again, a Christmas extravaganza last Saturday. Oh, the place is packed. Uh, like whole days, huh? And we must have had, uh, how many, 100 people on the stage? There must be 75 angels. Uh, many of them were members of our church. <laughs> and I think, I think most of them were, but uh, uh, Wednesday nights we've had, a, a, we've been collecting kids from the neighborhood and, um, and, and they're singing. They're, they're part of our choirs now. Well, do you remember the Dancing Shepherds? Uh, I, I, never, I never imagined shepherds dancing. Uh, but, but it made sense, the way Neil wrote it, that, that uh, you have um, shepherds, ordinary people in the fields, um, b- being blessed with the angel voices and a, and a, a whole force, force of, of, of angels singing, and, and telling them to go to Bethlehem, and, and there they will see the Christ, the Lord, being born. This, this long-awaited uh, a king would be, they, they would see. So <coughs> they, they actually paid attention and, and went to Bethlehem and, and found the child as they were told. And it was, it was a joy. And, and, and then they were, they were excited. And so they were dancing. You know, having shepherds and their animals and the newborn Jesus and his mother and father, it was fun for us. It was a great feeling for the whole family. But, but you know, you think about the, the crowded city that they were in, a stable away from friends and family and their hometown, alone in a strange place. So when the shepherds came, it probably felt good for the family too, didn't it? Uh, that somebody knew why they were there, knew the importance of their, that event. And, and just dancing and singing with them, uh, they must have, the, the family must have felt blessed and affirmed. Well, do you wonder why the angels chose the shepherds to hear the announcement of the birth of Christ Jesus? Maybe, you know, you might think they were the only ones listening when the heavens opened up in chorus, announcement of the miraculous event, maybe everyone else slept through it or, or they woke up to hear something and then went back to sleep. I, I, I remember the night my parents tried to wake me up. I was, I was a small boy and we were in Berlin, Wisconsin and, and the barn of, of family friends and church friends was burning down on the edge of Berlin. 
and I slept through it. Parents tried to wake me up, and I, I didn't wake up, and so nobody got to go to the fire because Donnie was sleeping. Well, that, maybe that's what happened that night. The, the, the shepherds were the only ones awake or the only ones paying attention or the only ones following, following the orders or following the instructions. Or, or perhaps the angels chose the shepherds to hear their announcement. God chose shepherds before. These are ordinary people. Abraham was a shepherd. Moses was a shepherd guarding his father-in-law's sheep when, when he heard the voice of God and saw the burning bush. David was a shepherd when Samuel came to find the king from among Jesse's sons. And Jesus describes a good shepherd, saying they're the ones willing to face danger to protect their sheep, and, and they're the ones that search for the lost ones until they find them. They may be humble, ordinary people, but they're brave and caring in their vocation. You, you, you wonder who the shepherds would be of urban America. Maybe they're the first responders, or the bus drivers, or mail carriers, who are the first to meet and care for people. The shepherds have, have aided their youths in giving birth, I'm sure. I remember being the only one in Sevagram Village of India with a with a vehicle. So one night I got a knock on the door, uh, Mani Bai, who was pregnant, and, and it was time for her to go to the, to the hospital for delivery. So I brought the Jeep around, and as I got out and, and began to help her into, into the Jeep, she squatted down and gave birth there right in the road. So I imagine there were bus drivers here in this, in this country that have uh, or, or taxi drivers who have had to do the same thing. Maybe people don't wait that long. I, I don't know. So shepherds, protectors, and midwives, uh, they were informed of Jesus' birth and told of its significance. Down-to-earth kinds of people, knowing what to do. Their, their first response is probably not, oh, how cute. No, they, they're, they're the ones who know what to do. Not like me. And, and, and to understand the significance because of what the angels said and, and what, what the next steps might be. And they did. And the shepherds told Joseph and Mary about the angels' announcement. And, and then they went home praising God. And, and I imagine they told the story of their amazing experience to, to the families when they got there. They were the first storytellers of the birth of Jesus. If I were to name, or put a caption on this picture of Jesus' birth, I might call it humble blessings. The, the long-awaited king is a newborn baby lying in a feeding trough away from home, neighbors and friends, surrounded by animals and their caretakers and visited by ordinary people, shepherds. If, if you and I were going to draw a picture of the coming of a king, it wouldn't look like this, would it? There would be people in fancy clothes and, and they'd be visiting a castle with butlers and maids and doctors and nurses all around. Yet, this picture that we got 
is the picture of God's way. Other storytellers in the Jesus Chronicles were also humble, ordinary people. There was a woman who was married five times. There was a man who was excluded from the temple because he was born blind. He told the story of, of his, his healing. And then it was a woman who told the disciples that Jesus had risen. We don't even know the names of the two, two men that on the road to Emmaus whom Jesus walked with after his resurrection. And Jesus' closest disciples, those three that were always with him, they're fishermen, ordinary people. The first one in paradise with him was a, was a repentant thief. Shepherds may be first, storytellers, but they, they're first of a long line of humble storytellers. I wonder if there's a pattern here. Well, the Israelites were slaves when they were shepherded out of Egypt. Esther was a foreign queen listening to her uncle, a targeted minority, when she saved the, the king and her when she saved the king and her, her Hebrew people. According to Matthew, Jesus' own ancestors included four women: Tamar, who had to offer herself to her father-in-law. Rahab, a prostitute. Ruth, a, a foreign daughter-in-law. And Bathsheba, a man's wife who was violated and made widowed by a lusting king who already had several wives. Now, Jesus himself came from Nazareth that didn't have much to show for itself, much fame. This is, this is not a proud history. But it does seem to be the way of God. Jesus said he, he came to preach and minister to the poor and oppressed. And, and I suppose that's why I have spent many years ministering to the poor and why our church serves the hungry, homeless, and children, rural poor. But the point may actually be different. Maybe the point is God primarily talks to the humble, the ordinary people. So if we want to hear or know God, it may be that we have to be among them. If we want to meet a doctor, you go to the hospital. If you want to buy groceries, you go to the grocery store. If we want to meet God and find Christ, maybe that we have to be with the humble. If this is the case, our mission among the hungry is our door to our divine encounter with God because that's where Christ hangs out. It may not happen if we drop off the food and, and leave or pack a bag lunch and have it delivered. We miss the encounter. We miss their stories the stories of the angels' visits and the miracles happening in their lives and the announcement of Christ's appearance and maybe Christ's appearance itself. But why does God choose the humble to be messengers and storytellers? Is it about the nature of the story? If the story is God's love and forgiveness of the world's people, how 
Would the proud tell that story? Isn't it the humble who recognize their own sin and separation and need for grace? And the humble who can genuinely love their neighbor? I don't think poor makes you a better person, necessarily. I've been there. It's not as if only the poor can enter heaven. I've met people who are poor but not humble and certainly not godly. And there are those who are wealthy who are. You know them in our own church. But it's, it seems to me to be easier to know God if we recognize the grace and power of God to bring us through life's trials and temptations. Well, my prayer for us and for our church this Christmas is that we are blessed by an encounter with humility, with the story of a visit or, or touch from the divine of, of love and forgiveness. Indeed, it may be that as we humble ourselves in the presence of others, that we become the visit of the angels, that touch of Christ in someone's life. We may be the coming of Christmas, the presence of love and forgiveness in someone's life. You may be this Christ child that has come. That's my prayer for the church. Amen. As we prepare ourselves for, for communion, I remind us that this is a this is the table of Jesus Christ. It is not a table of, of uh, the United Methodist Church of Whitefish Bay or a Methodist table. This is the table of Jesus Christ and, and all who love him and seek to be close to him are welcome at this table. We will have three stations. There will be a gluten-free station on the end and, and then uh, two stations with bread and, and juice, cups of juice on this side. 